This morning we will see that God's tent is like no other. God's tent is like no other. Let me give you five reasons. There are also the points on your outline. Five reasons why it's like no other. God's clouded meeting space. God's funding. God's washed priests. God's holy items. And God's scented offering. We are in Exodus 30. Go ahead and turn there if you haven't already. It's on page 46. And uh, as you do that, I will pray for us. Father, we, we know, Lord, that you have come to dwell. And Father, we, we praise you for coming to dwell with us, for choosing uh, to have mercy. Our sins, they are many, but your mercy is more. And so, Father, would you teach us more that this morning? Would you open our eyes to the wonders of the tabernacle? And would you build us up as a church, please? In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'd like to uh, give two quick definitions before we dig in. The word holy is going to come up a whole bunch in this chapter. Ten times. And we've seen this word throughout Exodus. Holy does not mean sinless. Holy means set apart or special. Like your favorite shirt. It is your holy shirt because it is set apart from the other shirts that you have. This chapter will tell what it's going to take for God's tent to be holy. Another word that's going to come up is atonement. You'll see it at least six times. And what atonement means is the covering to make the wrong right. It's covering the wrong to, to uh, repair the wrong. If you and a friend are out to eat and your, your friend doesn't have money to pay for his meal and you say, oh, I'll cover you, you're providing a type of atonement. The wrong of your friend not paying for his food is being made right by your covering. So keep an eye out this morning for holy and uh, the word atonement. So the first reason, God's tent is like no other. First reason is this, God's clouded meeting space. And uh, Dan, now would be a great time to bring up the, the picture. So here's a picture of what the altar of incense might have looked like. And I'm going to read now from Exodus 30, the first uh, 10 verses. Moses, you shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them. And they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony. In front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I will meet with you. And Aaron 
shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, and uh, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in a year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. So, uh, like some other items in the tabernacle, this is made of wood. It is covered with gold. It's got golden poles and, and rings. And within the tabernacle, there are these two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place, the living room and the bedroom, if you will. And they're separated by this large veil, this large curtain in verse 6, this decorative curtain. And the altar, this incense was to be put right next to the veil in the holy place, in the living room. And every morning, every evening, as Aaron dresses the lamps and lights the lamps, he is to burn incense on the top of this. The word burn comes up a whole bunch in this section. Incense would be burned and it would create this smoke. Let me explain real quick what incense is. Incense is a combination of gums and spices that when it's burned, it produces this pleasant smell. This pleasant smell and this smoke. So every morning, every evening, Aaron would burn incense on this altar. Burning happened. Also, we see atonement, one of our words, happening on this altar. Once a year, Aaron would cover the horns, the four points on the top with blood to atone for the altar. So we see atonement, we see smoke. You might think of a smoky bar. Take out all the people, take out all the booze. And instead of the smell of cigarettes, replace that with the sweet aroma of incense. Maybe uh, think of Baked brownies or hazelnuts. That might give you an idea of what it was like to be in God's tent. You can take the, uh, the picture down now, Dan. So why is this here? Why is this described to Moses? The, I think the Lord wants his place to one, smell pleasant, and two, be clouded with smoke. The Lord's tent is like no other because it is a clouded space. Where have we seen smoke and light before in Exodus? God himself, right? He, he veils himself in smoke and in fire. And now you have both of these ideas in the tent. You have smoke from the incense and you have the light of the lampstand working together. And so the, this, this incense altar makes a way for the glory of God to be in His own tent. 
a manifestation or a representation of the glory of God. God's tent is like no other. And in this altar, we also see some some foreshadowing of Jesus. It's a place where an offering would happen. And so we know that with Jesus' cross, there an offering was made. Jesus was offered on the cross. God's tent, it is like no other, and it has this clouded meeting space. Let's move to the next one. God's tent is like no other in that it has funding. I'm going to read 11 through 16. The Lord said to Moses, when you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who is numbered in the census shall give this, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is 20 geras. Half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give the Lord's offering. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than the half shekel when you give the Lord's offering to make atonement for your lives. You shall take the atonement money from the people of Israel and shall give it for the service of the tent of meeting, that it may bring the people of Israel to remembrance before the Lord, so as to make atonement for your lives. So in this section, we see God saying, Moses, take a census, count the people and collect money from each person you count, half a shekel as an offering to me. Why are they to do this? Verse 12, that there be no plague among them. Why else? Verse 15, to make atonement for your lives. And then as we, we read on, we get more reasons. Verse 16, the atonement money funds the service in the tent of meeting. Why? that the people of Israel may be brought to remembrance before the Lord. Why? So as to make atonement. So the chief end of it all, to make atonement for the people of Israel, covering for the wrong that they have done. You might not like this illustration, especially if you are a libertarian. But if you pay taxes to the government... You're covered, right? The government is going to leave you alone. What is wrong has been made right. The government not having money for public roads and services has been made right by your taxes. And so your taxes is a form of atonement. You're covered. You've got a military. You've got public roads. The government will leave you alone. So... Just like that, here we see a type of atonement in funding God's tent. Why is the funding taken? To make atonement for the people's lives. And just like the altar, we see images of Jesus in this. It is so clear. Jesus, over a thousand years after this, would come. And he would provide atonement 
for His people. With Jesus, anyone who trusts in Him, atonement is provided for that person. Covering for your wrong is provided if you trust in Jesus. Just like this tax would provide atonement. God's tent is like no other in that it has atonement funding. Next we see the Lord talk about a basin of bronze with Moses, and he gives the purpose for that too. Let's read uh, about God's washed priests. Starting at 17. The Lord said to Moses, you shall make... Also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar. And you shall put water in it. With which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. When they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister. To burn a food offering to the Lord. They shall wash with water. So that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. So this basin of bronze is to be placed outside the tent, in between the tent and the the altar of burnt offering that Ryan talked about a couple weeks ago. And the purpose of this basin is to keep the priests Living. Yes, it's to keep them alive. Before they minister in the tent or at the altar of burnt offering, they are to wash. Why? Verse 20, so that they may not die. And just in case you missed it, verse 21, it says it again, so that they may not die. So that God does not kill them. The implication here is that if they were not to wash, God might take them out. There is something about the the washing uh, of the water in the basin that makes their service acceptable to God. This is the ultimate, if you don't wash your hands before dinner, no food for you sort of thing. So, why was the altar there? I think it's pretty clear to preserve the lives of the priest. And, of course, we see more foreshadowing of Jesus here. As the basin washes the priests, Jesus provides washing for us so that we may not die for our sin. He cleanses us so that our service is acceptable to him in his sight. And so God's tent, it is like no other in that it provides a way to prevent death. So the Lord continues. He talks now about an anointing oil and what it's to be made of. Let's look at the next point, God's holy items. So here I'll start reading at 22. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and the 500 of cassia, 
according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony, and the table and all its utensils, and the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering, and with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. And you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. The Lord said to Moses, I'll save that for the last one. So here, the holy items. We see holy come up a whole bunch in this section, six times in 12 verses. And with this oil, God wants items to be consecrated, anointed. He wants Aaron to rub oil on these items so as to set them apart. God says, anoint these, the tents, the ark, the table, the lamp, altar of incense inside the tent, altar of burnt offering outside the tents, the bronze basin. And this act of anointing consecrates These items, it makes them different from other items. It sets them apart. Even to this extent, verse 29, anything that touches these items then becomes holy. Transferable holiness. So items, they are to be anointed, the Lord says. People are to be anointed as well. Aaron and his sons, in verse 30, you shall anoint them that they may serve me as priests. And the the holy oil is poured on Aaron and his sons. Not ordinary people, but Aaron and his sons. If you pour it on an ordinary person, that is not uh, okay. And it is only for the priests, it is only for the items within the court of the tabernacle. It is a special oil. Maybe you've used Icy Hot for muscle relief. Wondering where I'm going? (laughs) Icy Hot has a distinct smell. When you walk into a room and someone just put on Icy Hot, you know. The scent is so pungent, and so icy hot sets skin apart. Anointing oil sets people and items apart for the Lord. For the Lord and his purposes in his tent. So why does the Lord want Moses to do this? It provides a means for holiness. 
in God's sight. It provides a means for these items and these people to be set apart from other items and other people. God's items and people in his tent, he wants them to be consecrated. And for that, he deems holy oil appropriate. And yes, we see more of Jesus in this, don't we? More of the foreshadowing of Jesus. As the oil sets items apart from other items, so Jesus sets people apart from other people. As objects could transfer holiness, anyone who touches Jesus becomes holy. Anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus, you become holy. And so God's tent, it is like no other. It has this holy anointing oil, holy items, holy people. And let's close by thinking about the scented offering, God's scented offering. Here Moses is going to provide the, uh, the recipe for the incense. And I'll start reading at 34. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, sacti and onica and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each there shall be an equal part and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. So, similar to the oil, this incense is holy. It is set apart. It is special. The Israelites, you are, you are not to make it for yourselves. You are not to um, uh, have it anywhere but my tents. It's only for the service in the Lord's dwelling place. And uh, like I mentioned before, we've got the, the products of this incense. We've got smoke. We've got the smell as well. The word sweet comes up a couple times in this section. It gives this sense of a pleasant, sweet aroma that would be smelled if you were to walk into God's holy place. This is kind of like if you're having guests over and you light candles at the, the forefront of your home to make it smell nice, to make it pleasant. Ah, you walk in the door and oh, it just smells wonderful. It's Somewhat like that. So why does God want this to happen? Why does he give this instruction to Moses? It's all about a pleasing offering to God. An offering of pleasing aroma. Verse 8 speaks of this incense being a regular offering before the Lord. And so if the Lord is to dwell in the tent with his people, he wants it to smell pleasant. He wants there to be smoke. 
and for it to smell pleasant. I'm sure among 600,000 Israelites wandering in the desert, there was plenty that did not smell pleasant. And so when you would walk into the holy place, it just was an escape. It was pleasant. It was sweet. It was different. And here in the incense, we see more of Jesus. The incense images the body of Jesus. Jesus gives his body to the Lord on the cross, a sweet smell of a life without sin. Instead of dirty, sweaty, sinful life of Israel, the life of Israel, Jesus' life was pure and sweet, and it was an offering to the Lord. Ephesians 5 talks of that. So God's tent is like no other because it has this scented offering. And this tent is amazing. Yes, it it provides a way for the Lord to come and live with his people, but we know that Over a thousand years after this, God came again to dwell with his people. God came in the form of Christ. Jesus Christ, he came to dwell in the flesh. He came to atone for sin. He came to set apart or to make people holy. And he came to promise a dwelling with the Lord forever for anyone who trusts in him. And so in closing, I'd love to offer a few applications. If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian this morning, are you aware that long before Jesus ever walked the earth, God put these images and these foreshadowings and these hints of Jesus plain to see in the midst of God's people. They were intentionally designed by God and put there on purpose. So I invite you to trust in the atonement and in the holiness of Christ this morning if you haven't yet done that. Children, did you know that God's tent smelled really, really nice. God's tent with his people, it smelled nice. It had a special oil. It had a sink for the priests to wash their hands and their feet. And God came to live in this tent with his people. But that was just an image of Jesus coming to dwell later. God came to dwell again as Jesus and to die for his people because he loved his people so much. Here's one more application for you this morning. As you reach out to your neighbors, as you share Jesus with them, share these two concepts with them, atonement and holiness. Atonement is the covering of the wrong. And holiness is the setting apart from the world. God provides these two things for anyone who trusts in him. And so as you as you as your neighbors ask about your God, you can share these two truths with them. Atonement and holiness.
So in closing, we saw this morning God's tent. It is like no other. It is like no other in that it has clouded meeting space. It has funding of atonement. It has washed priests. It has holy items. It has scented offering. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you this morning and we praise you for providing atonement. We praise you for providing a way of holiness. Lord, it is so beautiful that anyone who touches Jesus becomes holy. Anyone who trusts in Jesus and in his offering becomes holy. And Lord, would you encourage us this morning, would you help us to see the riches of Christ and the riches of your mercy, even in the tabernacle? Father, I pray that you would strengthen us as a church this morning and and give us a heart to dwell among our neighbors. Give us a heart to share with our neighbors these two ideas of atonement and of holiness. Father, we praise you now and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.